Hello friends! Welcome to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. This is a pic of Emily's and I am making my sister Megan view this. She has not watched it and we've really put her through the ringer, but we're almost done with season one. This, today, we're going to talk about season one, episode 21, The White Room. And we normally don't put a disclaimer at the beginning of our episodes, but we thought mm, it might be a good idea for this one. There's some torture talk in this episode. Uh, we don't talk about ways to torture people or anything graphic like that. We're just talking about what happens to one of the characters in the show. So just FYI, we make some probably really dumb jokes about it. Just that's the way that we got through it, but I just... Wanted to let you guys know, give you a little heads up. If this is not your jam, we totally get it. And we'll see you guys next week. But in the meantime, if you're in it today, welcome. We're so excited you're here. Just sit back, relax, and here we go. Hi, friends. Friends of the podcast, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. We are finally in the episodes that Emily has seen, and Megan still has not seen any of them. Finally. And so, <laughs> took us long enough. We, it took us a year of posting episodes. It did. But wasn't it worth the wait? Wasn't it worth the wait? She's saying yes. Her audio Only went out. She's saying yes. <laughs> All right. Well, friends, today we are going to talk about Roswell Season 1, Episode 21, The White Room, which this is actually the first episode I ever saw of Roswell. This is the episode that I was like, I'm in 100%. Let's do this. Nice. This is the 21st episode of Roswell that I've seen. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know what? Okay. Like, I could tell that this was where they wanted to get all season. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they got here. And how <laughs> are they going to How are they gonna get out of it? Mm -hmm. I do know. Well, shall we get started? Yes. Hey, uh, all I can do this week is think about the pirates from our flag means death. I'm so sorry. Well, focus They're... on Roswell just for an hour. I don't know if I For can. one hour. You guys, I got HBO A solid Max hour. just so I could re-watch it. And I got HBO Max yesterday and I watched the season twice. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, will you podcast Pirates with me? Yes. Yes. Okay, I cool. can't do it now i know we're doing, we're doing aliens roswell now we're doing aliens now <laughs> it's aliens those freaking aliens, aliens first speaking of aliens happy first contact day everyone happy first contact day uh on this day 50 some odd years from now vulcans will show up and the very first human that meets a vulcan makes out with them instantly is that what happened so I remember that from the movie <laughs> The joke is, is that Vulcans, like, they kiss 
by pressing their hands up against each other. And like traditional Vulcan greetings are standing fairly far apart, but the traditional human greeting is a firm handshake. (laughs) So the guy just moves up to the Vulcan and like grabs his hand and does like the, you know, welcome to earth. Congratulations. (laughs) We're so, you know, his, his speech that he has in the movie. And you can see the Vulcan just sort of like raise one eyebrow because this guy has unknowingly done the Vulcan equivalent of just grabbing the ambassador and just planting one right on his face. And (laughs) I love that. Kiss more aliens. Liz has the right idea. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if the Vulcan ambassador got hazard pay for that. Oh. Because of human germs. <laughs> yeah. You don't know how they're going to react. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But nobody's kissing anybody in this episode this week. It's a it's a dire episode. Because Liz can't kiss Max. Because he's been kidnapped by the FBI and being held in a secret government facility. And um, I have... Listen, this was a great dramatic episode and I got what I wanted. Uh, okay, I guessed this episode so well. Like beat for beat. Yeah, because Izzy remembered that she could dreamwalk and Michael got like a one-on-one dad kid moment with Nisato. That was all great. My biggest critique, and it I think is a character intentional thing. So like this isn't a critique of the episode itself. Agent Pierce is useless he is not in charge of this operation because he's intelligent he is in charge of this operation because he hates aliens and it's so like at the tail end of the last episode the agents ask him when do you want to start the tests and agent pierce says tomorrow so i'm like okay they're going to be doing experiments on max Well, no, Agent Pierce wants to interrogate Max. He wants to ask Max a bunch of questions. But he's not doing a good interrogation either. We're going to get so into this, you guys, about interrogation versus torture. Because he's literally just torturing Max. Like, there's no way he's going to get any information, reliable or otherwise. And also, he keeps changing tactics so quickly. He He gets bored of what he's doing. And I'm like, well, no wonder it's taking you 40 years and you don't know anything about aliens as this is how you do your experimentation. Anyway, Pierce was like cartoonishly evil, like so ineffective and over the top in his hatred, in his role that I'm like not even a little bit afraid of him as a villain anymore. So I'm like, oh, you're just (laughs) stupid. I also want it to go on record. That while poor Max is being tortured, Megan laughed the entire time. And I want it to go on record (laughs) that we had a major death in Words of Radiance and Emily laughed. Because it's not going to stick. Well, neither did this torture. And also, (laughs) Emily is very convinced this character's like, oh, no, it's fine. They are. They were extremely stabbed multiple Mm -mm. times. Mm -mm. And I think, objectively, I think this torture was funnier than that murder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we open on the white room where Max is being held. How did they get Max to change into those white pajamas? 
They probably told him to. I don't know. Listen, if you're a teenager being held in some secret government facility, wouldn't you want... Okay, seriously, though. Wouldn't you want to cooperate to try and, like, either get on their good side or... Like, I'm, I'm wondering, what would your reaction if you were stuck in a similar situation to this? What are you going to do? Uh, I only say my name and social security number. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what I guess Max is doing. He's okay. So I'm not, I'm not saying Max knows how to handle being kidnapped or being whatever, but he is doing a really good job at getting his captor's sympathy where he's saying, yeah. Hey, listen, this is my name. You can call my parents. I'm a kid. This is my address. And mm-hmm. to Pierce, because I think we find out later, Pierce fully believes Max is Nisado. Yes. I believe. Um, yes. And so he just thinks Max, Max is playing a role. Max is playing a part. And so he's not, quote unquote, falling for any of this sympathetic vibe Max is giving off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead... He just jumps into the questions immediately. And he's like, what's the name of your home planet? Earth. <laughs> yeah, Max is just like literally Earth. Like, this is my home planet. And that's when the torture starts because... Or the test. They come in and they grab him and they take his blood. And it's very, very dramatic. Mm-hmm. This is really one of my... Not my worst nightmare because alligators are probably my worst nightmare. <gasps> hey, have we talked on this podcast about... The visceral reaction I had to the alligator monsters in Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't think we did. I don't think we did. So I I see myself as like a fairly, you know, confident person. And there's not a lot that really frightens me. Like, I'm not scared of sharks. I love swimming in the ocean. And I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a generally not very scared of things person. And mm-hmm. I'm playing a video game called Horizon Zero Dawn where there are a lot of machines that are based off of animal morphology. So, like, it's a machine that looks like a gazelle or a machine that, like, has some of the similar structure to a giraffe, but it's, like, 300 times as tall. And there's a bit where I get into a body of water and then all of a sudden I meet a new kind of machine and it's based on an alligator and I, in my very real life, have a freeze-up moment, heart palpitations, like, completely horrified of the idea of being in the water with a gator. Because, Emily, you and I, we had a lot of our childhood was in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And they actually, more than once, but probably not more than five times, they actually pulled gators out of the pond in the park, like, where we grew up. Like, our parents impressed on us time and time again, don't swim in, like, water in the wilderness. Don't go near mm-hmm. water in the wilderness. And It was, like, five blocks from our house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently, that lesson stuck, because I saw those gators, and I, like, totally froze up and it freaked me out for like a good portion of the game but now i've destroyed enough of them i'm not afraid anymore (laughs) (laughs) i miss my playstation i'm taking very good care of it until you come back to visit me have you played any games on it is it lonely no 
Oh no, it probably is lonely. I've got. I just. I'm busy. I know you wrote your book. I did. Oh, we didn't do that bit at the beginning, did we? Oh, no, we didn't. Oopsie. Do you want me to click and pause nah. and we can do it and stick it in? They right. know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're 21 episodes in. <laughs> but yeah, worst fears. Alligators are definitely one of the top, top ones up there because in the water, like on land, you can zigzag and get away from them because listen, if a gator's chasing you, don't go straight zigzag because they they can't turn very well that might save somebody's life someday but a lower fear on my list is being in a situation like max's where it's like i either it's the wrong identity or i don't know something but just this i remember as a kid watching this and being so scared and thinking i don't know what i would do in this situation yeah okay uh i like to listen i talk a big talk i don't know what i would do if I was relentlessly tortured without any methodology and like no clear indication of like what would make them <laughs> You stop. sit there and you critique them <laughs> in real time. I'd be like, what do you want to know? You cut off my toe and you didn't even ask me a question? What, do you just want my toe? <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we aren't quite too torture yet. I will tell you though, one of the reasons why I laughed is I thought the reason he was in this white room is because mm-hmm. it was like a clean room and it was keeping him, the alien, separate from the, the FBI agents outside. And I thought it was going to just be disembodied voice. And that's why I mm-hmm. cracked up so hard when all these dudes like rushed into the room is I was mm-hmm. like, then why do we need a clean room? <laughs> <laughs> But what we should we should start with because again the show is not just about the alien stuff it's about how the human kids react to it because mm-hmm. Liz makes it to the Crashdown Cafe and she has to tell everybody the bad news that my boyfriend's caught and he's gonna get in tortured. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, like the words of Radiance episode where we deal with a character's death. I'm going to be cracking a lot of, well, okay, I don't think I'm going to be cracking a lot of jokes, but I'm going to be laughing at a lot of inappropriate times in this episode. I'm sorry. That's just who I am as a person. It's it's about my relationship with fiction, okay? I'm not going to laugh at this in real life. I look at this from a couple levels up that somebody <laughs> wrote this and like these people acted this and then it got like edited together. Oh, sidebar. I really mm-hmm. like the direction on this episode. I think this is an, another Jonathan Frakes directed episode. They do a mm-hmm. lot of creative lens stuff uh, with both to like indicate mood and to indicate alien power usage. And I liked it. Nice. You have no idea how good it is to hear you say nice things about Roswell. <laughs> well, what's so funny is on a complete opposite flip-flop, you were pretty rude about some way of getting stuff I, last No, I was, I was just saying it didn't make sense. <laughs> I was stating that I am hoping there was going to be more stuff to back up what happened. Oh, right. And your favorite TV show is Roswell. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. 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 So. Humans. 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 Uh, Humans are there and 
Uh, Tess is also there. So it's it's our gang of three humans and our gang of three aliens. And mm-hmm. it's eventually brought up because they're trying to figure out what are they going to do as human, you know, as, as high school kids about this. And Isabel's ability to walk in dreams is oh, finally wait, brought back I, up again. Yes. Can I cut in really fast just to back up a little bit? So everyone's, like you said, congregated Crashdown Cafe to kind of regroup and figure out what happens. There, It was actually this scene, this scene, and then the scene with Isabel's dream walking that convinced me I had to watch this show. Because okay, I'm coming cool. in the middle of all of these predetermined relationships. And I wanted to know... Yeah, I wanted to know how they got there because once Liz gives everyone the bad news, Isabel and Alex are embracing and holding each other and comforting each other. Same with Maria and Michael. And Liz is on the outskirts looking at them, tears in her eyes because Max isn't there. Max is missing. That is the shot that convinced me I loved this show. On the outside, always looking in. Will we retrieve my boyfriend from the mess he's in? Because he's tap, tap, <laughs> tapping on the glass. Trapped inside the white room. Oh. <laughs> Tries to speak, but Pierce, he doesn't care. And he just sends his goons to, to hold Max down in there. <laughs> Torch, torch, torture the poor boy. <laughs> they trapped him in the white room. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks Why are you me. so good at this? How are you so good at that? Just pulling it out of nothing. I'm making fire out of nothing. Well, Emily, <laughs> I'm a professional lyricist. It's true. I guess I have to give you a lot of credit for that because you're very talented thank you thank you uh sidebar i had a meeting last night with my composer friend and we're finally really really getting going on our musical yay i'm so excited i'm so excited for that but uh it's really fun i wrote the lyrics to the first song uh we picked a fun like not a comedy song, but we picked a lighthearted song to do first. Uh, and and then I'm going to do, while he's working on the music for that, then I'm going to start writing the lyrics to the opener. And then once we get those two songs under our belt, we're going for the act one finale, like straight off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> torch, torch, torturing the max. <laughs> So, Megan, you get your wish. Like you said, the aliens get to use their powers, which you completely called in the last episode. I, listen, (laughs) I know you. Uh I know that you are very good at guessing things that come up. If I didn't know you that well, I would think you would have gone and already watched this and been like, oh, I think this is going to happen next. But Uh you just guess very good things. I, listen, I like to think that i'm good at thinking like writers think as i would i would not be good at guessing mysteries in real life like i think if i was actually trapped by a maniacal villain i would have no idea what to do (laughs) but when i'm in an escape room i only have to be smarter than the person who made the escape room (laughs) (laughs) 
which you've never lost an escape room yet. I haven't. But to be fair, I am very out of practice. So who knows? Maybe the next one will lead to my doom. Doom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Isabel uses her cheat codes, quote unquote. She Uh tries to dreamwalk inside Max's head. And she's worried because she's like, I've never done this during the day. Yeah. That's where we leave off. Yep. And she's worried that that she can't do it during the day. So Max is strapped to the table just thinking, that's a good interrogation tactic, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the anticipation. Listen, okay, I I need to clear something up really fast at the front of this. I have no personal experience interrogating or torturing anyone, okay? (laughs) This is just just what I've picked up from books and movies. Okay. Okay. Also reading Terry Pratchett. I think Terry Pratchett taught me how to do it well. <laughs> what fucking Terry Pratchett teaches you how not, to interrogate Not torture, people. interrogation, asking questions, headology, how do people think. Listen, Terry Pratchett did not teach me how to torture people. That was your own brain. No. <laughs> I don't personally know how to torture or interrogate anyone. But I know that going into any sort of situation... You need to have a clear goal. And I don't think Pierce has a clear goal because if he just wanted information, this is not the way to go about it. And also, I, uh, the reason, this is the scene where I started laughing and I don't think I stopped till the end of the, the episode. The whole time. Because Pierce comes My in. My favorite episode. She mocked the entire way through. Actually, Pierce comes this is one of my top three. With safety glasses and safety mask and a full you know not a not necessarily a hazmat suit because it's not completely sealed off but he's got plastic suiting over all of his normal clothes and he did this great fake out where he pointed something at max and we hear like a whirr and max you know flinches and it's just a control to tilt the chair up so that i thought was good keeping the prisoner on their toes or whatever yeah And then Pierce just starts taking his safety gear off. He just takes off his mask and glasses right away. What are you protecting yourself from, Pierce? I think, I know, I think you were right. I think this was his entrance. Come here, dog. Hold on. I'm taking off your collar because it's jingle jingly. All right, there you go. Meg, I think 100% he was making an entrance because we already saw these, like, technicians come in and take Max's blood. And he comes in dressed like them dramatic pause and whips his mask off and he has been dreaming about this moment for years i'm sure of just being like you didn't think it was me did you <laughs> he gets his grand entrance and um i kind of listen i also don't know how to torture or interrogate people but i think to if you're trying to throw your victim off i don't know that's a really good way of like turning the tables on on what they think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's fair that's 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 good pointed out anyway but that's the only good thing he does the whole time well i i think it's interesting what you said that this is something he's been dreaming of for years and years and years to finally have mm-hmm. his turn interrogating an alien and so i really think that's why he does so many different things in this episode is he wants to fit in literally everything he's planned so there's an episode of elementary where 
Sherlock captures someone he thinks is responsible for the murder of his love. Mm -hmm. And Sherlock is going to torture this guy. Not for information, just for fun. Well, for vindication, whatever. And it starts out with him, like, laying out all of his instruments on the table. And, you know, you've got your knives, you've got your skewers, you've got your electrical implements, your drills. All Oh, no, not the drill! And <laughs> at the end of the table, he has a small one of his beehives. And the person he's got is like, what are the beehives for? And Sherlock's like, well, I thought about doing something with trapping your head in a beehive, but then you you might be allergic and then this would be over too quickly and where i'm specifically trying to go with this is sherlock knows he can only pick like one or two things mm -hmm. and pierce like he wants to torture his cake and interrogate it too <laughs> But yeah, I think I think Pierce has like just been dreaming up all of these torture methods because the guy is sadistic. Like, there's no question. Yeah, and he's just the the moment where I really was like, okay, no respect for this guy is a little bit later on in the episode. He has them completely uh, dose max with uh, phenobarbital, like truth serum, quote unquote. Sodium and penthol. That one. Actually, I don't Sodium know what penthol. It is. Yeah. Whatever. It's it's the. The stuff in movies and TV that's truth serum, I guess. They don't actually state what it is. They just start drugging him. And then Pierce starts yelling at him and asking him questions. And Max, like, can't even speak. And then Pierce is like, ah, get it. They'll flush it all out of his system. We're starting over. And I'm like, you didn't, you didn't even give it a chance to be effective, man. Come on. Slow and steady tortures the subject. <laughs> so this is the same scene. Where, you know, Pierce has been very dramatic. And he has, like, like, I almost feel like he is proving to Max that he is, that Max is an alien. He's proving this to Max because he's showing them, like, oh, look, we took all these x-rays. And, oh, your, your bones are completely human. And we weren't expecting that. Because we find out earlier, um, Nisato is not like the other kids. The kids are way more human than Nisato is. One of these beings is not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> but the big kicker, the big kicker, is when he plasters up a blown up picture of Max's blood cells. And he goes, completely not human. Like, he's just, like... He, you can tell, like, internally, he is jumping around and screaming and jumping up and down and be like, I'm so excited I actually get to use this line. I really liked that that is what gave Max away mm -hmm. because that's what gave him away in the beginning with Liz. That's yeah. how she figured out he wasn't human. I just like that, that you know, come full circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I, I would say that this scene with Pierce is good. And he's saying that he wants Max to answer his questions. Mm -hmm. So here's where he starts to go a little wrong. Because Pierce mm -hmm. is convinced he already knows the answer. Max and already knows. Oh, wait, sorry. No, yeah. Pierce is convinced Pierce knows the answer? Or Pierce is Max convinced that Pierce knows the answer to these questions. He knows, he thinks he knows that Max is Nisato and Max did this. Mm-hmm. 
and he's talking about the the agent that was murdered with the silver handprint. And All the bodies throughout the years. Yeah. And so this is why it turns into torture versus interrogation. Because he's not actually trying to get accurate information from his subject. He's just mm-hmm. trying to force the subject to confirm what Pierce already believes is true. So he's probably just going to keep pummeling Max um, until Max, you know, breaks and just tells him what he wants to know. And this is why torture is never a good source of accurate information because the subject will say whatever they will in order to get you to stop. And so that's why information under abusive tactics like this cannot be relied upon as factual or reliable because all right kids if you learn anything from today's episode remember this torture is not a reliable source of information and interrogation is different from torture and if i say that enough times maybe pierce will get better at it but i doubt it (laughs) So yeah, he, I I hadn't thought about that it, but like that, but yeah, he's telling Max all of these things about like, this is what you've done and this is what you've done. And Max keeps asking good questions, like, mm-hmm. you know, throwing, even throwing Pierce off. And I think Pierce is kind of feeling like he's losing control of the situation. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Pierce gives away everything. He literally tells Max all of the information they have about aliens. Mm -hmm. Like, at one point, he even gives Max the alien artifacts that they have. So, like, yes, sorry, Max, you did get tortured. But since, hopefully, I'm I'm pretty sure Max escapes, right? That happens at the end of the episode. They've watched the episode for they've listened to our podcast. No, I'd say you watch this episode. You oh, should no, know that. Yeah. That well, I mean, they didn't get out of the building is the thing. Got it. Got they it. just got out of the white room. If the kids and, and everybody, if we all get out of this situation, we are going to have so much information. We're like, we won't even know what to do with it. Yeah. And that's okay. So Pierce's first huge blunder is one. He did torture instead of interrogation. And his second huge blunder is he gave the subject too much information. Like, if Max was, like, if Max had different goals besides just let me get out of this, if Max had any different goals, he would be able to use the information he gained from his interrogator and, like, manipulate them into, like, just giving the answers that they wanted. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pierce is bad at this, and he should not have this job. Another example of dudes failing up in their career, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, every single person that has held this position has been killed by aliens. So, his bosses gave him this job on the hopes he'd be killed. They just don't like this guy. Yeah, I think I think I mentioned in the last episode, it would have been so much cooler for me if he had been introduced earlier in the series as yeah. 
Deputy Fisher, you mm-hmm. know, to, to kind of give us a little bit more, like, depth and, and character mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. scenes or whatever. He's... He does. He like he kind of like gives Max his biography. He's like, I've spent my entire career studying all of these things, and and one of the things he tells Max is that there were four aliens, four additional aliens, the night of the nineteen forty seven crash. Two were killed, like yep. two died on impact. One escaped, and one they kept at the FBI like secret headquarters thingy for three years, studying it until it also died. Okay. I don't yes. think that alien's dead. Okay. I That alien's coming back real messed up. Awesome. I'll write it down in, in our, our guest journal. One of the aliens escaped, and that's Nisado. So Nisado has been torture-gated by the FBI before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pierce brings the alien artifact into the room with the with Max, with the prisoner. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think how to say this. Hubris is usually the downfall of people in stories and books and everything but it's just so arrogant to be like you are an alien and we've tied you down and here is an artifact from your world they want to know what happens they know there's two of them pierce wants to know what happens when you put them together and max tells him i don't know but i mean if max if this had been like a different scenario and max was here specifically to get the orb Mm -hmm. like this would have been the perfect opportunity i mean i'm hoping he'd have some like way of breaking free or whatever and like break it free (laughs) (laughs) so anyways lots of mistakes are being made at this point we'll just we'll just leave it at that mistakes were made isabel is hoping she doesn't make a mistake because she is really 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 nervous about this doing this trick i guess outside of like her normal parameter and so Alex is sitting there on the bed with her, and he is so great. He's so sweet. He tells her, I remember how lost you got the last time you did this trying to save Michael. Only, I don't think Alex was in that episode. And so I think they're retconning or either pretending like, oh, we've caught Alex up to speed. Remember, they're pretending Alex has been on the team the whole time. Yeah. Um, and he tells her that he'll stay with her and hold her and be her anchor so that she can find her way back and not get lost. I love it. Anyway, everyone's anxiously awaiting. And then, Meg, here's where you were talking about those cool camera angles because when we last left wait, Max, wait, he'd been so drugged sorry. up. I'm so sorry. Oh, what? what? He what? was there when they were rescuing Michael because they needed five of them. Oh, and Michael's the sixth right. one, and Liz is the one that backed out. And Alex is like, "Guess I'll just be a gem holder." Oh, that's right. And and uh, River Dog is like, "We need all of you." And Alex goes, "Even me?" And he goes, "Even you?" <laughs> hey, I've got a name. Doesn't that make me somebody in particular too? <laughs> but when we left Max, he'd been drugged up, and so when Izzy jumps into his head his dreams his mind whatever the the camera angles Meg, do you know what exactly it's called it's it like the the area of focus keeps narrowing in and coming out and so it gives you this really like unsteady feeling yeah i i don't know uh the specific name for it i would guess that they have a lens on the front of the camera 
that's uh like that's giving us this refraction effect on the outside or i'm trying to decide if it's a lens or if it was a a warp that they did in post-production i don't know i don't know well whatever it is isabel is feeling the effects of these drugs and she's trying to talk to max and she gets a ton of information i think this is a great way to get the characters to communicate with each other in an impossible situation mm-hmm. where you can't do it face to face, you can't do it over the phone, you can't do it, you know, any regular way. And so he's telling her Deputy Fisher is actually Agent Pierce. He doesn't know where he's being held, but he gives her enough like flashes of memory from when he was brought there to kind of hopefully help. And he ends up pushing her out of his mind. Um, Get, out of mind. <laughs> Get out of my mind! Get out of my mind! And I listen, Catherine Heigl is an amazing actress because she's hysterical when she comes out of this because her brother is being held and tortured. She has confirmation that he is being tortured and she's able to tell everyone it's Agent Pierce. We've got to figure out where he is. And she's able to use some of the flashes that Max gave her uh, to take everyone to the UFO center and say it's here at this abandoned base because she recognizes like the symbol of like an eagle on there. Mm-hmm. The aliens, rightfully so, tell the humans it's too dangerous for them to go with them. And the aliens are going to go rescue Max. So Tess, Michael, and Isabel leave Liz, Maria, and Alex behind so that they, they can go rescue Max. Because really, the humans are liabilities there's no way that they what it's much nicer i was like you're like the humans are and i'm like useless well yes they are (laughs) that's just got to be so hard for liz watching them walk off knowing that the person she loves is being held and she can't do a thing about it Mm-hmm. Man, but she's got something. She doesn't have an alien power per se, but she gets flashes when she kisses people. Mm-hmm. She got it when she kissed Nisato. Mm-hmm. So that means it's not a Michael-specific thing. It's a Liz thing. There's something up with Liz. She's connect. She's connectedy Because we're connected. Meg, the one thing you did say this episode that bothered you is it's hard to tell how much time has passed. So we're not oh, yeah. sure day or night because it's nighttime when isabel has the the dream thing but then it's daytime and and it's just kind of hard to keep track but the three aliens sneak into the facility and there's like an inner not inner sanctum but there's a portion that needs your hand scanned so it can tell if you have human bones Mm -hmm. and fingerprints in the system and so the kids know they cannot get through there Nisato shows up much later disguised as a different guard and it's very funny. He comes in, he comes upon them in like a little lab area. And Michael tries to very ineffectually use his powers, like on the night wait, wait. with Hank. Oh, am Stop. I skipping too Stop. far ahead? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what their plan is. They don't like, have one. So they're in. Yeah, they're in the facility with no plan. They're just going to go in there and be like, we'll figure it out. And Michael's about to, because a guard walks by, Michael's about to get out of the room and Tess yanks him back and says, they always patrol in pairs. And we get a little glimpse into her life of, she's been hunted her entire life. She and Nisato have been on the run from the FBI their entire lives. And all of a sudden, they're being brought to like their worst enemy's stronghold, which is not good but they oh i this is what happens this is what happens uh they see someone pushing a body 
to the morgue and i think they are afraid it's max and so they follow them to the morgue because uh in between those two scenes we've us fighting about tests and then everybody showing up in the morgue uh there's another torture sequence where pierce is trying everything he can to get some sort of answer out of max but he keeps like changing his mind on the questions they're asking and all of these different things and and it's yeah. This is another one Megan laughed at. Apparently she didn't like the music it was set to. Oh, I My headphones aren't in my computer, so I, I can't hear the music. Is it rock and roll and drums? It's a rock and roll song, yeah. Yeah, I could see why I would get the giggles from that. <laughs> it's like a torture montage. Oh, is this is this the bit where they just pick him up and throw him in the ice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I started laughing there. Because I was trying to imagine what it was like to be on set that day and be like, okay, people, we have to film five different kinds of torture before we break for lunch. Ready, go. Because, listen, storyboarding a montage is very difficult and very boring. But I think filming a live montage would be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) To be like great we got the shot on to the next setup so i was laughing in enjoyment with them you were thinking things through you were thinking about the logistics of it yeah. is that hard for you sometimes when you're watching a show that you get pulled out is there ever a time where you could just forget about all of that no but part of the things that make me enjoy a show is being able to feel like the cast was having fun doing what they were doing Like, Mm -hmm. I like seeing the parts of it. This is why I love behind the scenes stuff so much, is I like seeing people doing what makes them happy and doing it really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you think my favorite movies are the Lord of the Rings appendices? (laughs) Um, I gotta remember that. Yeah. So, uh, animation's just hard. It's very difficult to have fun when you're doing animation (laughs) because each role is done you know solo like one artist does their part on it alone and then passes it down so when i see an amazing animated project i just get moved by the skill Mm -hmm. and the the passion of the hands that made it but when i watch live action stuff i'm like oh i know that the crew is friends in real life and like when you listen to the commentary track they talk about like the blooper that's happening here so i feel that live action is a lot more instantaneously collaborative and then animation is uh, a lot more long form collaborative nice nice very hard to replicate spontaneity in animation Also, I think the bloopers on Toy Story are so unique, or the Pixar shows, that, that mm-hmm. they deliberately create bloopers. I thought that was, that's right? always really fun. Which means they had to plan them out, storyboard them, design the extra props that are in the shots, get the voice actors in. Like, it probably took them eight months or more just to do the bloopers. <laughs> and, like... It's it's funny because like real bloopers are spontaneity sponta spontaneitous spontaneous <laughs> spontaneous mistakes that make you just like laugh in the moment. But mm-hmm. if you ever see animated bloopers, someone had to think up the joke. Someone had to think up the mistake before they made it. 
my favorite blooper reels to watch are the supernatural bloopers. Those are my favorites. I always loved when a new season came out on DVD because then I could watch the bloopers. Those are good. I really like the next generation Star Trek bloopers. Nice. Because not only are they funny, but like back when it was filmed on real film, it was very costly. Like film, the actual physical film is expensive. So <laughs> like you see the people goofing up in front of the camera and then the people behind the camera are like, all right, let's keep going. Let's go back. Come on. Come on. We've got to, we've got to still, but you, you sometimes you just can't help getting the giggles. <laughs> back to the show. Michael, Isabel, and Tess have followed the body into the morgue. They sneak up and they like all kind of brace themselves because they're like, if this is Max, like, I don't know what they're going to do. And they pull the sheet back and it's the blonde FBI agent from the episode before that got killed that has the silver handprint on his chest. And Tess says something really interesting in this episode because she doesn't know. It seems like she doesn't know what the silver handprint is. And they explain that that's how Nisato kills people. And she goes, I swear to you, I've never. And that's when the door opens. So I don't know if this means that Tess honestly doesn't know. And Nisato has tried to shelter her. But you get the idea that she and Nisato are kind of on the out and out. Because someone does come into the morgue, is like, what are you doing here? Michael does his power display, you know, like he did in the trailer with Hank and Independence Day with papers flying everywhere and doors opening and tables rattling. And then this agent just raises his hand up and like decimates Michael and like throws him across the room using alien powers because the guy D shapeshifts and it's Nisato. And like, I think one of the very first things out of Tess's mouth is you will never leave me like that again. But I'm just like, Tess, you left him. Like you, yeah. like, you left and Tess yeah. is the one that left. I agree with you. <laughs> I I still think they're doing some spaghetti at the wall with Tess's character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like she's been a different person in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Nisato is here. He's here. Yep. Well, the, during the whole episode, you were like, oh, Michael and Nisato finally get their moment together. Like, I thought you were a big, a big Nisato fan. I'm a big Michael fan big michael fan and this is what michael wants is he wants to learn from nisato i don't know if he thinks nisato is their dad or what but um nisato comes in basically to rescue these kids and save them because they have no idea what to do they have no idea what's going on and they are there and he's like here's the plan and he keeps talking to them and expecting them to know how to do a lot more than they know how to do like He's got a plan written on a piece of paper. He's like, scan it into your brains. And they're like, what? And he's like, uh, okay, just memorize it, I guess. And he seems really, I always thought this was really unfair. He seems really disappointed that they don't know how to use their powers. And well, I'm nobody just like, taught them. Exactly. Oh, shoot. Hold on. I just spilled <sighs> ice cream all over. Ugh. Okay. No, it's sticky. Okay. Um... But he has a plan, apparently, but this is taking forever, and we get back to the kids waiting at the Crashdown Cafe. And they decide they're going to go talk to the sheriff and recruit him. Because that's what Max was going to do in the episode previous, because, I mean, this group is kind of split in, you know, half and half of, let's go talk to the sheriff. No, we can't talk to the sheriff. And finally, Liz says, 
Max was going to do that for me. He was willing to explain to the sheriff kind of what was going on and finally bring the sheriff into everybody's inner sanctum. Um, mm-hmm. But I felt like in the last episode when Max is like, I'm going to the sheriff and people say, no, don't. And he's like, it's going to help Liz. I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. know. I Okay, I'm of two minds about this because they are teenagers. They have no one else to help them out. Also, but is the sheriff no like the best <laughs> is the sheriff like the best person like he has kind of an idea of what's going on but at the same time i mean i guess you'd want him because he is the law he can do things and he has resources that other people don't but i feel like it's a really hard place to be put if some of the people don't want their secret to be out yeah. and they don't want this help so how did you feel about this, Megan, about Liz being the one? Well, Liz tells everybody anyway. She's the one that told Maria and Alex. Yep. So I guess Liz. it's only fitting that she did tell the sheriff. But how do you uh-huh. how do you feel about that? I'm okay. I don't mind because they've been telling us for the last five episodes, no, the sheriff is good now, actually. I'm like, okay, then can he do stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we find out a really... We find something really interesting out when it comes to gender and aliens, Megan. Yep. And it's this, uh, this Sado, the girls can't shapeshift into boys. Yeah, apparently because the only female agent at the agency is dead, which R.I.P. Miss Topolsky, <laughs> uh, the girls have to stay behind because they can't walk onto the base looking like themselves. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I think that is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think shapeshifting is just putting on a disguise. And, like, I get they needed a reason to leave the girls behind. I just I didn't, didn't care for it. I was yeah. like, no, let everybody shapeshift. But I guess that got... Maybe it made people uncomfortable to write it, and I don't know. But whatever the reason is, the girls are left behind while Nisato and Michael go off, so Nisato can teach Michael how to use his powers. He always wanted a son. <laughs> <laughs> Pierce kind of calms down a little bit. A little bit? Well, no, actually, so Max wakes up on the floor, free of restraints, and he wakes up and realizes someone is in the room with him. And he stands up and slams Pierce against the wall. And Pierce is really surprised. Like, you can see it on his face. He's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen, you idiot? Oh, yeah. So this is right. I'm sorry to interrupt. But this is right after they have flushed all the drugs out of Max's system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and as they're standing there and Pierce is like, don't even try. Don't even try to use your alien abilities because, and then he explains exactly where the powers come from in the brain and how they've suppressed them and like gives him all the information. And I feel like he's trying to make Max feel more helpless than he really is. But just like you said, he's just like word vomiting out all of the, you know, secret, top secret things that they have. On aliens that Max is probably hopefully filing away. I don't know. It almost feels like Pierce is putting on a performance for someone else who's watching. Mm-hmm. Usually, okay, so a lot of the reasons why Pierce is saying all of this stuff is so that we, the audience, know. Right. 
because I think what they wouldn't want to do is to have like Pierce continually leaving the interrogation session so he can talk to somebody else outside the room to explain what he's doing to be like, oh, I, it's a placebo. We haven't actually done anything to suppress his powers, but the mere suggestion coupled with the pain will like render him useless, you know, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead he has to tell Max these things. Otherwise we, the audience don't know, but like in universe, it just makes Pierce an idiot. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And he gets all like philosophical again because he's telling Max, he's like, you know, the reason this isn't working isn't that you're part alien. It's that you're part human. And when he, again, again. <laughs> they've got some sort of like virtual reality glasses rigged up and, and, they like show him pictures of you know his friends and everything about like you have feelings you have emotions you make connections you can feel pain you can feel love and they have apparently he says what does he say like trick photography or whatever um liz lying there dead and bloodied and max absolutely freaks out okay this is, I think, the stupidest form of torture that there is. Okay. Why do you think that? They were actually physically torturing this boy. And now they put on some glasses and they tell him it's not real. And then he still reacts to being like, oh, my one true love. Well, they don't. Okay. Listen, to be fair, he sees it, he freaks out, and then he's told that it is trick photography. Yeah, but... I don't know. I just, I never quite buy this. Okay, I'm of the opinion that unless you see the body, Mm -hmm. a murder didn't happen. (laughs) And so, like, I didn't buy this when they did it in Hunger Games. I, you know, I didn't buy this when they do it in Star Wars. I'm just like, yeah, it's a trick. You're tricking me. Like, I, your prisoner, have no reason to trust you, my interrogator. I don't think you're actually do Anyway, no. This, I get it. The power of love, all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> I just, I don't know. He does tell Max that while that was fake, we actually will go do that if you don't cooperate with us. And so now Max is faced with, he is being asked questions. How, do the, how does the communicator work? The egg baby communicator work? And he has no answers to give them like they're not going to believe him that he doesn't know how they work because he's an alien and it's an alien artifact and so i feel like they were trying to raise the tension here by by like putting liz in danger but she's i don't know it feels like she's okay it feels like she's too smart to get caught by the fbi if that makes sense yeah and also like i don't think the fbi can just disappear a bunch of children like that's right yeah because they don't think this is the real... Oh, wait. Listen, these people are bad at information gathering. Again. <laughs> again. Everyone just assumes that Max is the only alien around when two other mysterious children showed up to town at the exact same time. <laughs> again, I don't know much about torture, but I feel like this would be a success for the torturer because they realize it's affecting their victim so strongly and they're on the right track which i know is a weird way to put it but Uh like pierce definitely did something that the drugs couldn't do that the other torture couldn't do but he appealed 
to Max's emotions, and that is what starts him, quote-unquote, breaking. Okay, yep. So he tried 80 million things, but he found (laughs) one thing that worked. Yeah, yeah. So Max is stuck because now they want him to use the communicators. And how's he supposed to do that? Well, supposedly told us as long as they're next to each other, they turn on, so... Oh, you know what else he wants? He wants to know where the other one is. They only have one. Max has the other one. What? Remember this? No, I thought they had them both for some... Oh. They have one of them, and they want to know where the other one is. And I guess Max does tell him, because in the next couple scenes, they have the second one. I don't know if it was being held at Max's house or Michael's apartment or what, but, you know, he's given the choice again. Like, he's like, you tell me where the other orb is, or you can tell me which ones of your friends to kill first. And so he knows what is going to motivate Max into giving them what they want. But yeah, again, with the time frame, we don't know how long this torture takes. We don't know, like, how long the aliens are inside headquarters. Like, there's no... We know that we have to rescue Max because he's in a dire situation, but we don't have a clear time frame in which to do it. Yeah. Can I say also, this is one of the scenes that made me love this show because I was watching this boy, like, loving this girl so much that he's willing to, like, give up something that he loves for her. And teenagers <laughs> are so stupid. <laughs> I'm I'm making fun. So, anyways, long story short, with this scene, uh, Max, we assume, now has told Pierce where to find the other orb. Oh, we also find out some other information. Pierce believes in what he's doing, but he's doing it because he is he's trying to prevent an alien invasion. He believes that aliens either have or are going to come and colonize the Earth. And that is his justification for this whole thing. Like, we haven't, I don't know how he got from four aliens dying in, or four aliens in a crash to we're going, the whole earth is going to be overrun by aliens. Like, (sighs) I I feel like we either don't have all the information or this is kind of like a plot hole of just, well, I mean, Pierce's evil, evil, evil. And (laughs) yeah. The first boat of Americans that landed, of European colonizers that landed in America, a bunch of their first boat died. That's true. He recognizes, he recognizes history. No, he's, he's stupid. It's, okay. Have you seen The Iron Giant? Don't tell Jane, but no, I have not. (laughs) Oh. Emily, I, I know what happens. Really I cannot it. watch it. No, I will not watch it. I know what happens. I know what is that ending. I'm not doing it. But I'm you not. know what happens at the end, end, end? Yes. What happens? He dies and it's super sad. Emily, I have great news for you. Spoilers for the Iron Giant. The very last scene is him putting himself back together. Oh. Like Well then the- I don't need to see it then. <laughs> <laughs> Give me strength on this day. (laughs) No, it's very sweet because, like, the explosion happens and Hogarth, all they recover is, like, a single giant screw. Mm -hmm. And Hogarth, like, keeps it. 
and you know weeks after this has happened he wakes up one night and there's a light blinking on the screw and it's rattling against his window and he just he gets so excited and he opens the window and the screw rolls away into the night and he's like see you later buddy and like the camera flies across the land and pieces of the iron giant that have crashed you know all over the earth are all reuniting on where the head has landed and the 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 show ends with the basically the promise that oh no he's gonna come back so spoilers for a 30 year old animated movie everybody but um the main villain is convinced that the Iron Giant is the first wave in an alien invasion and calls in all... Uh, you. We should watch the Iron Giant if only because this dude and the sheriff are the exact same character. <laughs> like, even to the point of cornering the child inappropriately and being like, you should trust me, I'm from the government. <laughs> But he basically sets the, the final problem into motion because the giant only goes on the offense when it is attacked. So by attacking this giant, the villain ends up bringing out the giant's like violent programming. And I feel like 100% that is what's happening with the FBI and these aliens. Like if they had left these kids alone, Nisado wouldn't be killing. Well, okay, if they hadn't tortured Nisado too, to be fair. But like the FBI characters in this show are bringing a pox down upon their old house because just like Pierce is torturing Max just to make Max confirm his own personal theories, I think the FBI is going into this interaction with a predetermined outcome for what they are certain that aliens are planning and they're going to continue to attack, attack, attack until the aliens retaliate. And then they're going to be like, see, we were proven right. Nice. We really should watch the iron giant. It's incredibly drawn. I believe you. <laughs> so Megan, you, t you said in this episode that you didn't like Nisado. But when we were watching this episode, I swear that you were going on and on about, like, Nisado is great. Nisado is here. Yay, Nisado. No, like, I'm I'm happy Michael is getting what he wants. I, I don't know. I have, I have complex feelings. I am, I'm happy for Michael. Okay. But given how just absolutely weird Nisado has been so far, and he's mm -hmm. just, do you know what? I see Nisado the way I see the alien powers, that he just is whatever he has to be in each episode. And I liked mm -hmm. him in this episode, but I don't know. I'm trying to decide if I want him to stick around and be the alien and be the aliens' dad. Okay. Um, he is trying to teach Michael how to do stuff mm -hmm. because they have got to get through that bar door with the handprint and the fingerprint scanner. And Nisado can't fool the scanner. It's been mentioned that he, his bones or whatever are not human. And so they are in the morgue and he is trying to teach Michael how to basically copy fingerprints from one person to the next person. And Michael is, I mean, they're under pressure. They are under a deadline. And he like, he doesn't have a temper tantrum. That's that's completely the wrong thing. But he has an emotional outburst of, where were you? You left me alone. Like, he, he gets to say all the things that he's been wanting to say all season to somebody. And Nisado is just like, emotions are a weakness. 
Like, there's a very clear line, because here you have super emotional Michael and deadpan, dead eyes, Macedo. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't want to keep going off on tangents, but I always hate the storylines of, like, put your emotions away and and don't let them influence who you are. When I feel like the emotions make you who you are, like the way you feel about people, the way you react to things. And it's always disappointing to read a story when they're like, no, you have to shove your emotions down. That's not healthy. Okay, so that's 100% why Anakin Skywalker went dark side is, okay, he was enslaved beaten abused he like left his mom behind and then he's taken away from home at age 10 and just told don't feel any emotions anymore any emotion will like lead you down the dark side and it's it's the idea of if you try and bottle something up without dealing with it it's going to burst out at the time that's most inconvenient and like palpatine was able to manipulate anakin's emotions mm-hmm and it's very okay i think i think the concept of how the jedi are portrayed in the prequel trilogy is incredibly sad mm-hmm. because when yoda's like oh he's too old to begin the training it's not that anakin is too old to learn how to use the force because you know we we see luke learn to use the force when he's like 18 or whatever mm-hmm. but it's that anakin is already too old to undergo, like, the emotional conditioning they demand of their young Padawans. Mm-hmm. And it's very sad. And the Jedi, it's a tragedy. And, like, they... I'm not saying it's their fault that Anakin killed them all. All right? This isn't victim-blaming here. But it's like, <laughs> you can see that the path that they're on led to creating Darth Vader. And mm-hmm. even in the sequel trilogy, Luke goes down the same path trying to reestablish exactly how the original Jedi Order had it. And his nephew has a bad dream and Luke just tries to kill him? What? Yeah. yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't. But like you were saying with Nisato, when we were mentioning earlier that he's like, oh, the girls can't transform into men. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of the kids have any concept of alien societal rights or wrongs. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they don't have an idea of the societal limitations of where they come from. And so I think we're going to see if Nisato sticks on with the story and as we further interact with Tess, we're going to see the unconscious cultural biases of the aliens start to shape what our main characters know about themselves and their powers. Like, I don't think Nisato knows about dreamwalking. I think that's something Isabel might have just found as a natural talent. And as wonderful as it is that Nisato is giving Michael this training and giving him all of this information, I think that in the long run, Nisato, in trying to make these kids live their destiny, that's what's contributed to Tess being just so weird, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think it's the humanity that's really making these aliens who they are. And I, I'm hoping that will be a theme in, like, season two. But also, like, the fact that Nisato was giving Michael so much information, I'm like, oh, this man is not long for this world. Like, <laughs> there's a reason why he's info-dumping on Michael, and it's because he's gonna die, and he needs to get all the relevant information out first. But 
I wouldn't mind if he if he stuck around and he was the dad and like the kids had to be like, no, we're team free will. And he's like, no, you're clones and you have to make very specific babies. Cool. <laughs> that was a really good thing. I feel like I don't want to just jump into the next scene, but that was a really good explanation, Megan, for a lot of good things. You are very eloquent and I, I really enjoy listening to what you say. Thank you. I'm a professional writer. <laughs> we do get to see one more alien power because Michael's just in like a jean jacket. Once he finally is successful in getting the fingerprints, he's just in a jean jacket. And this they do like literally hand waviums over Michael and he's he transforms everything into a suit and he looks really sharp. And his giant pine cone, four inch tall hair is combed over. <laughs> And he looks real good. I said it makes him look like a booth. (laughs) So they're off to go and rescue Max. But they better hurry because, Meg, what is the next scene with Max and Pierce? Oh, the vivisection! (laughs) Okay, wait, though. I want to jump back to the scene where Liz actually goes to the sheriff. It's very, it's very small. And I just want to talk about this one thing that made you and I both bust up. He's looking at a painting that's on the wall of his office. (laughs) That's of like a beautiful landscape. He's just like pondering this painting. And then you said, is that, is that a UFO? And it's literally a painting of a UFO above the desert of New Mexico. (laughs) And that, that cracked me up. But I am very proud that I know what a vivisection is. And Emily, now you know what it is too. What is it? I had no idea that was a thing, but it is an autopsy on an alive person. Listen, I, I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying me personally, I have, I don't mind watching like, war movies or violent movies like that's totally fine but when it's like one-on-one violence that's when i start feeling really icky (laughs) so like seeing max's pain just focusing in on this because they want him to work the orbs together and he's like i can't i literally don't know how to do this and pierce is just like do it or we'll cut you open and more uh backseat torturing from megan (laughs) They aren't even doing the first cut correctly. (laughs) In an autopsy, you're supposed to start from the shoulder and cut down to the sternum on either side first. So you have a wide cut before you go down the middle. Coolest and most horrifying version of this I've ever seen. Do you remember watching Heroes? Yes. Okay. There is a character who has healing abilities. Like Wolverine, right? Yeah, like Wolverine, except it's not as fast. She is a much slower healer. And she wakes up in a lab post her own autopsy. Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember that. <gasps> oh, I remember that. Like her organs are. Yeah. Yeah. Out. And, uh, yucky. 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 <laughs> so we're, we're flashing back, back and forth, back and forth between Pierce being like, use the orbs and Max being like, I can't. And. Um, Nisato has shapeshifted into another. And Isabel is also in the, like, she's in Max's head while this is about to start. And Mm -hmm. she's like, say, hey, look, here's the plan. Because Isabel's part of the plan is, um, to tell Max what the plan is. Yeah. And the plan is Michael and Nisato are going to come and rescue him. And oh, we're, we're, what, what, what? We forgot to talk about what Tessa's part of the plan is. Oh, we did. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry, everybody. Megan, tell us. 
Tess can project hallucinations in people's minds, she was literally showing Max all of the stuff that he was seeing in that episode where he kept seeing himself with Tess. Because she proves her powers to Isabel because, you know, Isabel's like, well, this is what Michael do and this is what I can do. What can you do? And Tess closes her eyes and all of a sudden there is an FBI agent in the room with them who grabs Tess and runs out while she's screaming and trying to get away, which freaks Isabel out, obviously. And and Mm -hmm. then Tess shows up behind her and explains, I just make people see things that aren't there. Like, that's her power. Which, ethically, I don't like. (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah. Your face is doing... What are you looking at? I'm looking at Max getting cut open. And I'm not laughing. Are you proud of me? I am proud of you. A lot of these powers are super cool, but I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of them. Also, I feel like I should never have powers of my own because I'm too vindictive and I would get in a lot of trouble using them. But yeah, uh, Tess is supposed to mind whammy Agent Pierce if Max can get him in the alone in the room with him while Michael and Nisato come to rescue him and the whole plan revolves around timing 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 yep but interesting that we the audience have no frame of time (laughs) they're able to get through the the bars and max is able to get everyone else out of the room saying pierce i will show you how the communicators work but i will only do it if you are the only one in the room which is smart because it plays to his ego it plays to agent pierce's ego of I'm so good at my job. I have everything under control. And so (laughs) I've done it. I've successfully interrogated someone. (laughs) (laughs) So they're successful. Hooray. Pierce is just standing there because Tess is making him see these two orbs being all glowy, glowy, special. And Michael hauls Max out of the room. Nisato stays behind with Pierce. They are running down the hall, dodging, you know, agents. And Michael's saying, Agent Pierce says I've got to get him out of there quick. He needs help. Go help him. And is sending all the agents back to Agent Pierce, which is smart. And I can't believe Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. worked. And he's able to do the scanner thing. They're getting through the doors. And who shows up? to help them at the last moment but doesn't actually do anything helpful is it sheriff sharif it's the sheriff he shows up as they're getting through the door and the door's closing behind them and he helps get max out of there and agent pierce i okay i love this part because they're like no one can get through these doors and they're almost impossible to open and they open so slow and blah 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 and so when pierce needs things to be fast all the safety precautions they've put in place are keeping him from getting his goal. I yeah. loved that irony. It's, yeah, it's very much like um, in Star Wars where it's like, close the blast door, close the blast door. But like we get through it in time. And so then he's screaming, open the blast door, open the blast door. <laughs> so uh, Nisato, disguised as one of the security guards, is shot in the interrogation room. And so they end up leaving a shot Nisado behind. Mm-hmm. But the sheriff also shoots Pierce. So do you know oh, what? that's right. At least the guns are good for something. <laughs> and he shoots him in the movie favorite non-dramatic wound, which is the shoulder. And ladies and gentlemen, listeners, 
friends, Romans, countrymen, you will die if you get shot in the shoulder. <laughs> because the odds of the bullet nicking your brachial artery is very high. So everybody knows about the femoral artery, which is the great big one that runs through your leg. But the brachial artery goes right through, like, you know, it comes from your heart and flows right through your shoulder into your arm. So Hollywood loves to have dramatic, you know, arrow or bullet injuries in the shoulder because they're like, oh, we like we could still they could still be dramatically wounded and bleeding and stagger around and, you know, have the drama. But d d d d dangerous. <laughs> Plus, even if it misses your artery, you have so many tendons and ligaments in your nerves. shoulder that connects to so many different things. Yeah, and your nerves. So I've only ever seen one show where they shoot someone in a place that is totally fine and really won't kill you. And someone gets shot in the butt. And he's made into a big hero. But, like, that's a safe place to shoot a person. No, it's, don't, it's not safe to shoot anybody. It's not safe to shoot anybody. Don't shoot anybody. Don't shoot people. Is this is this Brooklyn Nine Nine? No, it's person of interest. Oh, he got shot in the butt. I thought he got shot in the shoulder. Oh, not not Jim Caviezel's character, um, Franco's <laughs> character. Okay. <laughs> yeah, somebody gets dramatically gut and shoulder shot, but then they get taken to a vet. That's such a good episode. Oh, that's such a good episode. Oh, that's such a good episode. I can't wait till we do our podcast of interest where we cover really POI. About that. Let's see if that is the end. I, want to I think it is. I think yeah. it is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The next is the. So the next is the season finale. This is season one, episode 22, Destiny. And so, Megan, you have made it through season one of Roswell. I am so <sighs> Great. proud of you. Great. I'm so excited. You promised me it gets... Listen, listen, I've been... I've griped about season one, but it's like a passable first season of a TV show. You know, it mm -hmm. had some stinkers. It had some clunkers. What TV show doesn't? But Emily has promised me that season two is when it gets good. Mm -hmm. so. so, Megan, you really did well guessing the next episode uh last time so i want to hear what you think your what you think the season finale will be for roswell uh i think we kill pierce okay i think agent pierce will no longer be a problem at the end of the first season but like higher ups in the fbi are like okay we got to get someone smarter on this job mm -hmm. i think i would like nisato to stay around but uh, I wouldn't mind if Nisato died, but like how we need someone bigger and badder than Pierce, we're also going to need like a bigger presence on the alien side to come tell these kids about their destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Max and Liz are going to kiss, and I think even if Nisato survives, I think Tess is going to make a break with him. Like she's going to break off from him, and she's like, I'm going to be a teenager and live my life as a human. With my family. <laughs> uh, but yeah, story-wise, I think the main story of the finale is we have to go back and save Nisato because he's the last connection that we have. And I think Nisato may do a heroic sacrifice to get the kids out because this show does a thing where as soon as we get a little bit of answers, we lose all of them. <laughs> well, 
We'll find out soon enough. You guys yeah, have been great listeners. Thank you so much for hanging in with us for a whole season. We appreciate the heck out of you. And in the meantime, Meg, I've got to go work on my book. I have got to go do some writing. I believe in you. I believe in you too. Ready, break. Well, there you have it, everybody. That is the end of Roswell Season 1, Episode 21, The White Room. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. We did, as we usually do. Again, Megan, thank you for being such a good sport and watching this show that I am making you watch. You are a gem, and I love you. Um, well, just like I said, that's it for today. But if you come back next Thursday... On April 27th, you can hear our brand new Way of Kings episode. We also cover Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. Megan is the expert in all things Cosmere, Brandon Sanderson, etc. I know nothing, Jon Snow. And if Brandon Sanderson isn't your thing, come back May 4th, where you can hear us give our last season one episode of Roswell. We're going to talk about Destiny, the last one. The very last one. Ha ha ha. And then we're going to get into season two and I'm so excited. <sighs> but in the meantime, if you want to see more of us, come check us out on our social media pages. We post sometimes it's mostly pictures of my dog or Megan's cats or Ren Fair outfits, you know, just whatever tickles our fancy. You can find us at sis made me view it all one word on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. A special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. And pretty sure that's everything that we had to talk about today um thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to rate and review us you just make my little heart so happy and give me little dopamine hits that i normally wouldn't get and believe me i need all the dopamine i can get you guys are fabulous uh if you have time this week and just want to do something nice you can rate and review us on apple itunes on spotify on google play you can find us all those fun places um this is really it i promise this time it's really it uh we just hope you have a great week i know 2022 it's not as bad as some past couple years have been but maybe not as great as we were hoping but i know that something good is going to happen to you this week i feel it in my bones so go forth just do what you love and remember we believe in you <laughs> <laughs>